Well, welcome back to The CIO Show. I'm Byron Connolly, the Editor-in-Chief of CIO Australia. And this week's episode is titled Agile, Are You Fast or Fake? Now, the technology sector is notorious for its ability to constantly create new buzzwords. And the word agile is no exception. Meaning to have quick motion and be nimble, it joins a long list of words that have been hijacked by the industry. In software development and project management, agile practices are essentially a way to discover requirements and develop products quickly using cross-functional teams. As an alternative to waterfall methods, it allows for smaller, more iterative tasks to be undertaken, ideally with greater flexibility and creativity, and is positioned as the intelligent alternative to a broader, more holistic, and in hindsight, the less effective waterfall approach to projects. What is true, that when done right, this approach helps manage costs and speeds up development, which means that organisations can get digital products out to consumers faster. Our first guest today is Paul Keane, and Paul is the Global VP of Engineering at software firm uh, Nuix. Paul is an experienced tech exec who was formerly CIO at the now defunct retailer Dick Smith. He was the CTO at gear economy player Airtasker, and before joining Nuix last year, he held senior tech roles at Qantas. Welcome, Paul, to the CIO Show. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Now, Paul, critics of the old waterfall methodologies argue that they too often lead organisation organisations down a path to what is known as analysis paralysis. What has been your experience with Agile? Do you feel that these methodologies uh, are a panacea for all the traditional ills of software development? Yeah, I mean, my, so my experience with Agile started in about 2008 with 9 and 10, and, and those, that point, the problem we were trying to solve was more around the XP type practices, more of the technical practices. Yep. Then I moved to Westfield in 2009, and that's when we really went all in. Yep. And then I became one of those agile purists, you know, the ones we all hate. Yeah. Um, so I guess like, if you ask the question, kind of the air in the question, yeah, invariably the answer is no. But yeah. I think mainly it's um, the yes uh, around technical development. So, I mean, that, the, the question every exec asks you know, two or three times a day is you know, what type of problem we're trying to solve. And the one thing we all companies seem to have in common is, you know, resources are scarce. Um, we need to move faster in a competitive, uh, competitive advantage. Mm. We need to deliver value earlier. Communication is always hard. And I think Agile delivers most of those, those things. So, would I build a house in an agile way? Probably not. Yeah. Would I build software with it? I think that's probably the answer. That battle is, is already won. Yeah, for sure. Now, I just want to get a, a bit of a feel for the frameworks that you've used in recent years, for instance, Kanban or Scrum, and, and, and how have you justified, I guess, spending the time to train people in these frameworks? And I guess second to that, how do you measure the results? Yeah, measurement's hard. Um, so... Generally, I think Scrum is the, is the general default, and if I ever want to recommend Agile, that's the, the place to go. Mm. Kanban, I always think, is an advanced form, a framework to use. Mm. Uh, invariably, people choose that for the wrong reason. Um, it often people use that to justify a prioritized list rather than doing what is true Kanban of equal sizes um, and limiting work and flow. The way, the way we, we do it at Nuix is um, we've taken Scrum and then one of the I guess, criticisms around Agile is, is how do you scale Agile and that's been, been a struggle and then we've got a globally distributed team so most of my team is actually in, in the US 
Um, and so we've used SAFE, so that's uh, Agile at Scale. And, and what we're trying to solve there and, and why we can justify um, you know, a lot of the overhead of putting these big methodologies in is we've got uh, globally distributed teams. We're highly um, dependent on each other. So if we have any blockages in our work, that has quite an exponential impact. And we have quite a few immovable deadlines. Mm. Um, so that's, that's how we kind of justify it. Now, how we measure that is, is value we prioritize with the safe methods using this with, with just of how do we get work in, but how do we measure the results? It's, mm. it's, it's a tricky one because it's like, how do you measure business value? Mm. What we try to do is be a bit more grown up and say, did we achieve the objectives we wanted to, to achieve? So we list those out every quarter. We say, these are the things we need, want to get done. And then we say, well, whatever those measures are, it could be a release date, it could be revenue, it could be making an angry customer happy. Mm. And we then say, well, do we hit, hit those objectives? Um, it's not a precise thing, and I think, I think that's doomed to failure. Mm. Um, but asking, did you meet your actual business objective is probably a better question to ask. Yeah, for sure. Um, are there any, uh, I guess, scenarios um where agile methodologies, I suppose, are not suitable? I mean, and if there are, what are those particular scenarios? Yeah, so I mentioned before about, sort of, would I build a house with it? And I probably wouldn't mm. because, say with building houses, good analogy because most people come to understand the concept. So the bill of materials is, is known. Mm. Um, generally, the variability or the problem to solve is, um, yes, there's some weather thing you can't deal with, but generally it's, uh, it's lack of resources. Um, in, in making sure people turn up at the right, at the right time. And so if there's a whole bunch of known aspects to it, then I think that having a Gantt chart, a Gantt chart is an amazing tool. I can give to our cleaner um, our, a Gantt chart and say, this is what we're going to build. And they go, okay, I've got what you're going to build. With yeah. Agile, it's very hard to communicate. So you say, well, we, we don't fully know, and, and that's a good thing, and we're going to come out at the end of it, but it's going to be great. Yeah. So that's a very hard thing to say. So if you have a very precise known quantity, then I would actually waterfall is still a very, very good tool. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, I wanted to, I guess, um, get into the areas that tech execs can do better when it comes to um, implementing successful agile ways of working. I'd, I'd like to know what you've learned in relation to things like you know, planning, selecting the right teams, making sure that the testing is done right and, and taking on customer feedback. I mean, it, it, in your experience, where can, where can things really go wrong based on, you know, what you've seen over the past few years? First of all, we don't have an agile um, purist involved because that's, that's always the first disaster. Um, actually, I just finished reading um, Pulsar, so you know, one of the anachronists they say about well, happy families are all alike. Yeah. Um, every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Yeah. I think that's the same for this: is that every agile disaster happens in a completely unique way. But yeah. how agile organisations are all alike, or happy agile organisations are all alike, is that They've really thoroughly thought through their communication flow. So they've, they've put a lot of time thinking that. So whether it's copying things like the Spotify model, which we use at Qantas uh, to great effect. Yeah. It's, um, do, do you fully understand the mission um, and, and, set, and spend a lot of time understanding that problem solving? Do employees believe in that mission and do they know their responsibilities to be able to achieve it? 
Mm. And I think the third one is, is really formalizing those feedback loops, um, both internally and externally. So if you can get uh, the communication right, you get set the mission and, and get people to buy into it and formalize those feedback loops. Mm. You get those right, um, you're going to be in a good good place. Then you just choose your agile flavor and away you go. Mm. Okay, absolutely. Um, now, one of the things that um, uh, people that I speak to about Agile say, uh, quite a few people have actually said this, is that some uh, people say they're actually doing Agile, agile but they're, they're actually not, and, and they're using it to sort of, uh, I guess, get contracts, and, and a lot of organisations use it in their marketing material. So there's been a, an uplift, I guess, in, in, in fake Agile in the market. Do you feel that as well? Uh, there's always a question around, are you agile or are you not agile or are you agile? I think I go back to the principles and I know the agile manifesto is well over prescribed, but you know, are you really choosing people over process? Are you mm. shortening those feedback loops? Are you delivering value at the, at the earliest possible time? Um, if you are doing those things, then I think you're doing, doing agile well, mm. um, if you're using Agile to hide the cracks, so we take that Kanban example before, so people go, I'm doing Kanban, therefore I'm Agile, and what you're just doing is say, well, we don't know really, we want to change our mind all the time, mm. so we can't be bothered to prioritize in every two weeks like a Scrum order, therefore you're basically not doing anything, you're just mm. doing that prioritize list, and that's when, when uh, I think Agile gets its bad name, and mm. that's where I Again, back to the, have you set your objective? But if you don't know where the North Star is and you know when you've achieved that North Star, mm. um, you're just playing around in the wind. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think that the, the tech sector, and you know as well as I do, is, is notorious for sort of hijacking words and hijacking terms and, and making it making them its own and, and, and then kind of overusing them. And I, I guess when we, when we, I mean, as a journalist, I know that I see the word agile everywhere. Um, and I think if we use words, we use terminologies too often, they start to become meaningless, and I think that that's what's happening potentially with uh, um, with this as well, and I'm sure you would it's agree. Also, yeah, it's also a set standard. So one of the interesting bits, we um, went through this Agile transformation at, at Qantas, mm. and we had all the Agile consultants in and things like that, and we were trying to, and I was trying to tell the, just, to stop talking to my engineers under 30 about Agile. Yeah. Because they were talking about, oh, well, this is the waterfall method and this is how we're going to change to agile. It's like, you've got to understand that these people have never worked any other way. Yeah. Uh, you, they've got to learn waterfall in order to unlearn it. So just, just let, them, let them be on their merry way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Paul, listen, thank you very much time for taking the time today. Um, we've enjoyed having you on the CO show and, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much, Byron. Thank you, bye. We enable any organization to use any technology. We help all companies become technology companies, protecting the identity of both workforces and customers. Connecting the right people to the right technology at the right time. Okta, one trusted platform to secure every identity in your organization. Our next guest today is David Bolton, and David is Chief Technology Officer at Digital Property Portal and Real Estate Business Domain. In the past, he's been Head of Engineering at Woolies X, the digital arm of retailer Woolworths. He was a domain delivery lead at ING Direct 
and held software engineering leadership roles at William Hill and News Corp. Welcome, David, to the CO Show. Thanks, Brian. Great to be with you today. And great to have you. David, I'd like to start by asking how you define agile methodologies and how they're being used across the domain group. What successes have you had and what are some of the key lessons you've learned in the process? Agile methodologies, uh, for me, is distinct from agile philosophies. Mm. So what we've found in industry over the last 20 years of, um, of thinking and talking about agile, particularly in the last 10 years, is it's a pretty well-worn path of, well, if you do these things, then you've got basically something that looks like an agile practice. Yeah. Uh, so yes, some of the obvious things around organizing around sprints, doing retrospectives, uh, the way that our work is defined and slicing all thinner and thinner, getting things ready for production. There's a whole bunch of things that have been codified as the Agile way. Mm-hmm. I think there is a distinction there with Agile philosophies, and I'll talk a little bit about that um, uh, later. But when you talk about Agile and industry, I think that's basically what people are, are thinking about. Um, for me and for, I guess, the environments I've been involved with the last few years, Agile philosophies is almost a given. I think we hire engineers, we, we talk about things, and everything is, well, we're doing this in an agile way to the point that we don't necessarily talk about it uh, in depth uh, all the time anymore. It's, in fact, in some um, uh, forums, I just actually steer away from the word agile altogether. Mm. Uh, and that's because it, I think sometimes it can be a bit of a distraction. Mm. Now, having said that, there's organizations out there that are, uh, do lack maybe a little bit of maturity around that sort of stuff. So you do talk about this uh, more because you're getting people on board with with the thinking. But in certainly places like the main, that's it's second nature to us. So it's not actually something we talk a lot, a lot about. Now, in terms of successes, um, I think we see that all the time with the ability to uh, and you combine this with things like uh, DevOps practices uh, and particularly, and I'd, I'd love to talk about this product development mindset. Yeah. Um, the successes really come in getting value to customers more quickly than you might have in the past if you went back 10 or 15 years where um, you didn't have those same mindsets and you put all those things together and you, and you get this ability to get things to customers quickly. So for me, when I, I think about a good environment for doing technology, that the, the philosophies of Agile and some of the practices are really, really key to that. You need to combine it with other things, but it's really dominated by that well, what's the right thing for the customer because that's often going to be the right thing for the business as well. Yeah, for sure. Now, you have strong opinions about what you describe as the grey areas in consulting um, that take Agile across discovery-driven product development right through to a large-scale predictable project delivery. Now, you say the approach and meaning of Agile in each context is completely different, yet we use the same terms and ideas, and that causes a huge amount of angst and consternation in the industry. Can you explain a bit further what you mean by that? Yeah, sure thing. Look, as as agile as a practice has proved itself, and it has because, you know, we now see it a long way outside of just technology. All sorts of companies are using agile terminology and, and um, uh, philosophies, I guess, to, to try and get better results. Mm. Um, as it's proven itself, all sorts of companies are like, well, we want some of that. And indeed, you know, there's lots of consulting companies out there that are very happy to, to sell that as a, we can give you agile. Um, the unfortunate thing is there's no playbook which is, well, you do this and you are now agile. It's all, it's all very, very contextual. And I think, um, you know, good consulting companies get that and they help companies on the journey. Uh, some, uh, and, you know, can depend on the people that you've got, but some, uh, can be quite dogmatic around where we really have to do this or else we're not doing agile, right? And I think that's, uh, that's definitely a watch out. Mm. Uh, 
One of the things I think that can be tricky for it is that the application of agile philosophies uh, changes depending on what you're trying to do. So, you know, I, the, what you mentioned was that spectrum between full-blown product development and potentially, you know, right down to that startup level where you're just trying to find uh, product market fit, mm. right up to um, mega companies in Australia. You know, the great examples of banks and, and things like that where there's uh, lots and lots of people involved in um, delivering outcomes and what they are looking for out of Agile is often a different thing. You know, they, mm. a, a bank's got product market fit, not for every single product that they've got, but they know they've got customers and so the way they approach things is is different. So, you know, what, what's the difference there? Uh, I think the different, one of the key differences for me is are you after um, predictability? Uh, and, you know, the, a bank, again, might be very happy to say, well, we predictably want to know basically how long something is going to take to deliver. A waterfall thing would give you a sense of predictability, but there's a lot of hard things with actually um, uh, fulfilling that sense of predictability, and I won't go into to, um, all of that. Yeah. Agile will, will actually give you better predictability controls. But if you're a, a, a company that's actually launching a new uh, product or you're maybe you're a startup, you might really want to trade off predictability for variability. And if you look at the work of Don Reinertsen and, and thinking about product development, um, that variability is where there's opportunity. You know, for the, uh, I'm not a, a stock market expert, but you, you, you know, traders look for variability because that's where there's opportunity. Well, it's the same with product development. And I think that's one of the differences when you're applying agile thinking is, well, what's, what, what do we want? Do we want that predictability? Cool. Well, in that sense, Agile is um, is a, a project management methodology, and it, it's a, it's you know, much better than some of the alternatives for, yeah. for some outcomes. But if you're actually looking to unlock a whole lot of value in a different way and you know, create a new market or deliver a new product, then um, then predictable outcomes is actually maybe not what you want. You want variability. You want that opportunity. You want that upside. Sure. And agile philosophies can absolutely be applied there to get you to get you there. But it's a very different thing to a predictable. Um, agile project uh, methodology um, uh, philosophy. So, the uh, so I think that's a really big thing. And people um, all along that spectrum are not always clear on where they fit. So that could be an engineer who's um, signing up to work uh, uh, at a bank in an agile project, expecting one thing and not realising actually they're just after predictability and that's going to dictate how my work looks. Mm. Um, versus, uh, you know, the, the other end where it's like, well, yeah, we use agile methodologies, but really we're, we're trying to unlock things and that, that sense of variability is really important to us. And that's where, um, I spend a lot of time talking about, uh, I spend more time in that world. So I spend a lot of time talking about variability and, um, leading into the, the opportunities that you find, which can mean, um, uh, completely breaking that predictability mold, um, but giving you great opportunities to get value in front of customers and unlock that uh, that value for the organisation as well. Is this how it plays out at Domain? Do you are you using agile methodologies more often than I guess the, the more predictable waterfall uh, methods? Yeah, look, one hundred percent. I mean, Domain's been a tremendously successful uh, organisation over a long time now, and we're, we're ASX listed, and I think we've got very big ambitions. And that is in the, the product space. Like for, for us, um, we've got very successful products and we think there's, there's great opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. All of our teams are organized in an agile fashion, but we go pretty lightweight on talking about agile. You know, for, for us, I think we're definitely more in the, the agile philosophy um, rather than agile methodology camp, which is, 
you know, a big part of the, the philosophies there is, well, how do we make teams effective? That's why I mentioned DevOps before. That's why I mentioned um, several times the product development mindset is that I think those um, those ideas are part of effectiveness. So, for instance, DevOps, when combined with Agile, is, well, we can, we can do something in an iteration and we, with good DevOps practices, we don't even have to wait for the end of the sprint. We can get out in the same day and we can yeah. start seeing how that works for customers. Yeah. Uh, similarly, that product development mindset is... Um, Again, we're not, uh, if you look at the original um, uh, sort of agile manifesto and the sorts of things that those folks were working on, while they were taking an iterative approach, they were on generally quite big things. But in a product development mindset, we're really looking at that, well, how do we do things quickly? How do we get uh, uh, a sense of whether the things we're doing for our customers are the right things? So we definitely combine those, uh, you know, our teams are generally scrum team sizes, uh, some teams work to sprint. Some teams work more in a, uh, a Kanban flow style, um, yeah. and it depends on their context and, and what opportunity they're chasing. Uh, but because of the people we've got, that, that's second nature. We don't have to go very hard on um, training people or talking people that, even people outside of technology, um, you know, definitely our product teams, but uh, uh, also our, our sales, our commercial teams, our marketing teams, they get that as well. They're, they're part of that culture, and so it's not a, it's not a big, heavy-handed um, uh, agile sell, which again for some companies it probably would need to be. What metrics do you use to measure the success or failure, I guess, of agile projects? Um, and, and secondly, how do you sell this concept to your board? So a big one for us, and again, this is a, a constant uh, work in progress, is um, trying to get measures that talk to the effectiveness of our work in the context of the customer. Uh, and so, you know, if you if you go to sort of the, the more um, predictable, uh, predictability-based agile methodologies, you might be talking about burn-down charts and um, the uh, you know the velocity uh, in a sprint and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a big fan of velocity. I don't think burn-down charts necessarily prove anything apart from the team's doing work. I'd much rather go to what's the impact of that work. Uh, and I think that we can do that because in a product, Sense again, combined with you know DevOps uh, capabilities and things like that, we absolutely have the ability to see the impacts of our of our decisions and the, the things that the teams are doing uh, and a really much more fine grained thing. So we don't have to go well. What, at what pace are we delivering things? We can actually say how effective are the things that we're delivering? Are they driving more engagement? Are they driving people to, to come to us versus, say, a competitor? Are they driving revenue directly? Mm. Uh, so uh, almost all of our metrics would be, and you know, depending on the product and the space, would be very, very tied to actual customer um, impact engagement uh, and in some cases uh, directly to revenue. Okay, so the the impact on the customer is 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 I guess one of the uh, is is very much a key metric. I mean, because these days customers are very very there's a big appetite I guess for digital products, um, even more so, so I guess since COVID hit last year. Are you finding that yourself? Yeah, look, as a digital organisation, um, we didn't definitely didn't see any drop off uh, in engagement. Uh, there's you know there's different things around the business and how the business performs, but in terms of people using our products, um, the, the, that in, in some, a lot of cases actually went up as people had less other things to do. The, the, the real estate um, 
viewing uh, as a hobby uh, uh, went up. So uh, did that change the way that we approached it? Not really. I think there are you know, different sort of business opportunities to think about. There was some level of product tweaks that we had to do because, one, you couldn't go to a, a, a inspection in a lot of places in Australia. Mm. So uh, we're looking at different ways of engaging. But um, uh, has it made us more digital? No, I think like a lot of companies, though, it really has highlighted that um, there's opportunity and we need to keep investing and again the challenge with that is well you you need to invest uh, you need often you need more people everyone's competing for that I think you know if you're a technologist in Australia right now then you're in a very good spot for your career because every company is thinking how do we get more digital and uh, look I think that you know that comes back to that earlier point of if you're a technologist in Australia, uh, there's, there's some things that will be really engaging for you and there, there's some things that might not be your cup of tea. You've got to be really clear about what space you're getting into because it's no longer enough to ask, are you an agile environment? Because that means a whole lot of different things. Almost everyone is. Uh, actually, what sort of agile environment are you? Sure. Listen, David, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Some great insights. Uh, we, we appreciate you taking the time. We hope to speak to you again at some point. Awesome. Goodbye. Thank Thanks. you, mate. I appreciate it. Now, Red Agile is a provider of Scrum certification training in Australia, New Zealand and Singapore, and the company has trained around 14,500 certified practitioners working at organisations across many market sectors. I'm here today with Red Agile Scrum trainers and coaches, Stu Mitchell and Sam Botel. Welcome, Stu and Sam, to the CIO Show. Thank you. Yeah, we'll go. Thank you, thank you. Lovely to be here. Yeah, great to have both of you. Now, firstly, Stu and Sam. Um, Stu, you could probably go first with this. Let's cut to the chase. What are agile methodologies and processes and what advantages are they offering organisations today? Nice, easy one to start off. <laughs> um, look, the, the, the agile, agile celebrated 25 years uh, of, uh, of being around uh, last year. So it's, it's way beyond that being a a fad or a, a yeah. fashion. Yep. And I, I think it's quite hard for a lot of people to understand it's been around for that long. Uh, I think it's also look at why it was brought in. And the answer is that it was brought in because uh, the ways that we were delivering projects beyond the waterfall uh, were haphazard. They would always uh, go over budget. They would be uh, they would be hard to implement. They were always, they were always very large projects, you know, 100 people, that kind of thing. Yeah. So the whole purpose and I think one of the themes that's going to um, revolve around this podcast is uh, Agile's purpose is to reduce risk. Yep. That's its whole purpose, to find high-value items, um, to get it out there, and to get on that bike as quickly as we possibly can and learn to ride it because it doesn't matter how much you read about it or how much you think about you, you've got it. It's not until you actually do it you get those tangible uh, tangible results. So the answer to your question is simple. The purpose of doing Agile is um, to reduce risk. Which risks are you looking to reduce? You're looking to increase the quality because it's something small. We can test it more frequently. Uh, to increase speed to market, so you're not the last one to the marketplace, um, to get that first move advantage. It's to reduce costs, to appreciate things that the customer likes and what they don't like quickly so we can get rid of the stuff that they don't like. We're not wasting money. Uh, to improve the trust between the stakeholders and the people who are actually building it. So instead of that, them and us, it's just an us. And believe it or not, um, to improve the morale of the team, this idea of delivering 
delivering things quickly and often giving that that tangible results to the to the people who are doing it improves their morale. So overall, uh, reducing risk and improving return on investment to the organisation. And I guess it's a very good thing for, for organisations to, to actually achieve those things because, let's face it, the tech industry, historically, I, I guess, using traditional waterfall methodologies, doesn't have the best track record around project delivery, does it? And we're talking about government departments and, 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 and private enterprises alike. There's been a lot of project failures in the past and, and uh, you know, any improvements on, on, on the software development and project delivery process um, can only be good. Yeah, Byron, I'll just add on to your point on the statistics. The, the latest uh, chaos report by the Standish Group, uh, basically the data said that only 26% of traditional projects are successful. Mm. Uh, that means 74% of traditional projects, um, you could say they failed in some way. Mm, which is a, staggering. Is a, it's, a, it's a staggering statistic, isn't it? And it's, it doesn't bode well for... It doesn't, it doesn't do the reputation of the tech sector much good. No. I also wanted to add to Stu's answer on the definition. So I think a lot of people get this agile word a little bit wrong and think of it to mean many things. Um, we, of course, uh, have got, I've got two definitions for your listeners, which I think will resonate. The first one that we hear a lot is the agile mindset. Mm. And I think through COVID, we just saw people thinking differently and the companies that thought differently you could say they were agile, and you've heard the word pivot more times than anything. The other definition we have is that it's a collection of frameworks. So agile in itself is not a process or a method. Mm. Agile as a word gives us a collection of frameworks. So if you want to know if anyone is or kind of testing whether someone really is doing agile, the second question is, which of the agile frameworks are you using? Mm. And if they answer something like Scrum or Kanban or DevOps or one of the scaling frameworks, then you know they're probably on the right track. Okay. Now, Stu, when we spoke yesterday, you said there's been an uplift of what you referred to as fake agile. Organisations are saying they're agile, but you argue that for many it's simply a veneer. Can you explain what you mean by that and, and, and importantly, what the key differences are between fake and real agile? Uh, of course. the A lot of, uh, I mean, all those benefits, so, you know, increased quality, speed, reducing costs, uh, return on investment, you know, they're very, very attractive things for any organization to be pursuing. I mean, they're, they're, they are ideals that we all want to reach for. Um, we're also, as you heard from Sam, there we're in a we're in a we're in a time of of COVID, where that way of working from home is almost like, uh, it, at least in part, going to be part of the new way of working. Yeah. So how do you how do you set yourself up? And I love there was a McKinsey quote of COVID is now uh, sorry uh, Agile has now been battle tested uh, due to COVID, and the idea that we have had. 10 years of advancement in digitalization and as well as interestingly mindset over the 10 over the 10 over the last 10 months so what we've now got is that we've got a lot of companies that have suddenly woken up and realized that the only way that they can be using a distributed team in a in a in a coherent way and delivering value in a in a in a changing 
environment. You heard the word pivot. How do I how do I pivot? How do I get um, you know how do I get the, the what I was delivering yesterday? Perhaps not the same service that I'm delivering today. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that. Uh, and to be able to deliver safely and quickly is to be using one of those agile frameworks, you know, things like Scrum. So everybody wants to be, has realized that they have to be using Scrum in some kind or some kind of agile framework in some format. Mm. But if you're going to make the change, it's hard. And uh, this perhaps is something you're going to be coming on to. You're going to be changing the way that you do audit, the way you do compliance, the way you do HR, the way you do um, uh, your your legal stance. These are bastions of uh, of enterprises that have been created uh, over the last forty years. So change is hard. Change is hard, and by changing, a you've got to have that will and that want, and b you've got to be taken on that additional risk that that change is going to give you. So in short, I want to I want to be agile, particularly if you're going to be going for a government contract. Governments are insisting that you have got uh, some kind of agile framework to be pitching for these projects. And therefore, I'm going to tell you that I'm agile. Uh, mm. My shareholders want it, and I want that I want that increased tender. And therefore, what we've now got is this fake agile, which people saying that they're agile, they want to be agile, but they're not. If you look underneath the surface, they are not really agile because they don't want to take that those additional steps and make those hard changes. Sam, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I love the term fake agile, and I, I often get people uh, adopting some agile techniques, and, and I think that, that's good. If, if somebody thinks that visual management boards and things like prioritization techniques are going to add value to what they're doing at work, mm. then I think that's all good. But unless you're using a proper framework and actually taking an organizational-wide approach to agility, don't call it agile. You know, don't mm. call it agile. Don't call it something it's not. Mm. Um, otherwise, people get confused. They, mm. they get very confused if you actually call it agile when really you've just got a couple of techniques mm. that you think are quite useful. And they are useful. And you can apply those techniques to traditional projects and, and they add value. But they don't give you the real step function benefits of, of doing agile properly. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the tech sector is notorious for for use overusing certain terms and 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 hijacking certain words and phrases to and using using them using them so often that they become meaningless. And I think that in some cases, um, uh, the word agile is 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 one of those words that. Um, you know, as you say, people say they're doing it, but 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 they're not really. But it's used a lot in marketing material. It's used a lot by you know um, CIOs and, and and other tech leaders and tech executives that I talk to, and and you wonder if it's if it's truly um, what they say it is. Hey, listen, I wanted to uh, I guess get a bit of a feel from both of you on what the, some of the key traits are of a good agile practitioner. Um, What's the difference between you know someone who's very good at at, um, at using agile methodologies and somebody that's that I guess still needs uh, still needs a bit of work and and a bit of training? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to, to to start on this one. I think what what really makes somebody stand out as an agile practitioner is that they never feel it's done in terms of we can always improve and 
And I remember I, I went to India to visit um, some companies who were working in Agile. And I met this team who just received the award for the best scrum team in the company for the third month running. And I said to them, that's great. What are you working on now? And they said, well, you know, we don't need to do anything else because we're kind of the best already. Mm. So what I look for is really that, that mindset that we can always learn more, we can always improve more, and never to just kind of rest on your laurels and say, well, you know, this is, this is good and, and we're getting some results, so, you know, we're done. It's never done. That, that's my, what I look for, that mm. mindset. Uh, absolutely. It's a lot to do with the mindset. Um, I think that, I mean, that idea of that you're able to accept feedback, you're hungry for feedback, uh, that you're, you've got a bit of, a, a bit of, a bit of what they say back in Scotland, that you've got a wee bit of fire in your belly. You know, you've got a bit of get up and go. Uh, you can make things happen. Uh, you're, you're engaging. You're a servant leader. You know, you're looking to help others before you, before yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, prepared to go above and beyond you know you're it's not a lot of people think that things like agile coaches are just uh, helping the team they're not they're helping the organization mm-hmm. on that journey and holding their hand to go to, 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 to get a better understanding you know what why are we doing this what what are the key buttons that we that we need to press um, so you know looking for that 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 you know that that that, that giving that learning that, that openness that and being able to engage uh, individuals at all levels of the organisation. Mm. One of the things that um, uh, the that, that Paul Keane and uh, I, I guess David uh, Bolton, who I spoke to earlier day earlier today, mentioned that was that you know get, getting customer constant customer feedback um, is extremely important during these processes. I mean. With that in mind, I mean, what are organisations that are that are truly succeeding with agile processes doing better than than, than organisations which have not? I mean, is 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 it about um, you know doing the right things in relation to planning, selecting the right teams, making sure product testing is done right, and getting customer feedback? As I said, or, you know, is it all of those things? I mean, what what are customers that are doing the best at agile doing that others aren't? I, I think I think failing quickly. Yeah, you, you fail quickly. Get get on that bike, fall off, get back on, fail. Uh, being uh, you, you, we mentioned Amazon is often uh, is quoted is being ruthless, customer focused. I um, there's some great there's great articles in um, that even in, in from your, uh, from yourself from the CIO, which which is that that is that ruthless customer focus. Mm. The closer I am to my customer. Uh, the, the greater the chance I'm going to deliver what they want. The, the closer I am to the team, the greater the chance they're going to build what we need. It's that it really that ruthless um, hunt for customer value and that mindset that if we do fail, that's just part of the learning. Mm. That would be mine, Sam. Yeah, I think getting something, the companies that succeed, focus on getting something into the hands of the customers as quickly as possible and accepting that that, that they're going to get feedback and they've got to listen to that feedback. But rather than, you know, the traditional companies would take six to 12 months to to talk about something, to plan for something, to approve, to spend on something. Whereas a a more agile company within three months 
would put something into the hands of customers, whether that's a minimum viable product, uh, a basic outline, or even a, a paper prototype. Um, often we work with very low-fi ways mm. to get that customer feedback as quickly as possible and to see whether or not what we're proposing to do is going to be valued by the customer. Yeah, for sure. Listen, gentlemen, I think we might leave it there. Um, some great insights around uh, around what Agile can do and and what organisations um, need to to take note of when they're when they're when they're using uh, these methodologies and these processes. We really appreciate you both spending the time with us today on the CO Show, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Associate Editor David Binning is back next week and David is going to be talking about the end of monolithic ERP. Throughout the 1990s and into the 2000s, big ERP vendors and systems became synonymous with the highest levels of cost and complexity for CIOs. In 2018, Gartner coined the term postmodern ERP, describing what it sees as a trend away from organisations having the one big vendor looking after all their ERP needs. What seems to be happening now is that the companies are cherry-picking different apps and capabilities from different providers depending on their specific needs. Meanwhile, the big ERP vendors themselves, the likes of SaaS and Oracle, are moving more of their solutions into the cloud. We hope to join you then.